You can have a seat. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate um, our worship team as always, especially today. I appreciate Brian. He texted me this week and asked me for if I had any requests, and that was the one that I requested. Um, I just it brings me to tears every time. Like, I, I, especially that line: "It's a mystery that you saved me, that you call me your own." We never, ever, ever get sick of thinking about why God would save me, but he did. All right, I'm already preaching. we got to get to the uh, intro first. Um, so uh, I, I promised the last few weeks to use some of my favorite sermon illustrations uh, as I go into sabbatical, not for several months, just for a few. Uh, but um, And I've, we've had the throne of your life. We've had the rope of hope. Um, so what do you think we're going to have today? Anybody guess? Yes, thank you, Dean. Box of problems. In fact, you might have seen it coming in here. I was hiding it for the first two uh, of our gatherings, but everyone guessed it. So I said, ah, the heck with it, right? It's too heavy to be carrying all the way from my office, right? So we have it here. Uh, This is our box of problems. It's a raggedy box. Um, I've had all the way since, I think it was our Ruth series, the first time I introduced this. The whole idea of this, and it's grown over the years, gotten heavier. We've added some toilet paper. Um... You guys remember COVID. That was tough, right? Uh, a roof shingle that fell off the church roof. That was a problem. Uh, and, and we have this box, and it just sometimes it's heavier, sometimes it's lighter. And the idea is it often can be like this, and it's all we see. And you're going to have this in this life, right? And, and we see Paul, this whole letter, he has a very specific end-of-life box of problems. Chains, right? In prison. Facing those problems that you face when you know your time is at hand. And so I wonder what your box of problems might be today or maybe tomorrow or next week. What we do know, and um, I titled my last message of this series, I completely ran out of creativity. Life is really, really hard. Amen? Well, no matter who you are, life is hard. But when you're in Christ, it gets a hundredfold harder to live in this world as a light of Christ. And so the box problems is real. This life is really, really hard, but it's also beautiful, and it's worth it. And so what I want to do today as we look at, at the end of Paul's letter is to be reminded to fight the good fight, to run the race, complete the course that God has set you on, and to keep the faith. That's our prayer. So let's pray to him. Father, we do come before you. Um, Lord, I'm reminded of Man, this was so long ago that Paul wrote these words from that dark chain prison cell facing beheading. And yet he gives us these words of encouragement and hope that have lasted through the generations all the way to today. And I ask that you would do through your spirit what only you can do and encourage us, keep us going, keep us fighting, keep us pushing because it's worth it. The life that we have in you is beautiful, and it's worth it. We pray that you'll do that, Jesus. It's in your name, your precious and holy name. All God's people said? Amen. 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 All right, so how are we doing, all right? Good. 
Um, we are going to finish this letter. Uh, I probably, if I had more time, but I don't, uh, could do a couple messages just in the last uh, uh, instructions and all that. But we're going to take a bird's eye view. We're going to kind of split it in two a little bit. Uh, a very famous passage, if you've grown up in church at all or even attended a funeral, you've probably heard it or read it, verses 6 through 8. So we're going to look at that, right? But then we're going to look at kind of those personal instructions in a bird's eye view of, of, of learning that, right? That, um, and I know it's really hot and humid. Um, I would cut the sermon short, but... This is my last time with you, so it's going to be three hours. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We'd still be here from the nine, so I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, so as, as, we, as we get there, I, I do just want to say, um, I've been trying to say this through the, 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 this, this series that you all collectively and, and many others, those on, probably watching us from your swimming pool right now or something like that online, um, it, it, it collectively are like a third child to me. Like I've never looked this. A lot of you don't know, but some of you have been around long enough to know this was the church I came to Christ in. Uh, and this isn't just a place I was called to pastor. They just gave me the job at one point. I'm not really sure how that happened. And um, you all, I've looked at you. I, I, when you succeed, whether it's get a new job or a game or uh, whatever it is, I, 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 I cheer you on like it's a, a ch- one of my two children. And when your heart breaks, my heart breaks with you. And so I really believe that and mean that. Um, and so uh, while leaving you for a little short time is, is, is going to be good, it's also really hard. It's like dropping your kid off to college. You're like, what's they're going to do? Hopefully it's good, right? Um, so it's a, such a fitting passage to end. Thankfully, I don't think I'm going to die. We never really know, but I'm not intending for that to happen. Um, and none of you are allowed to do that either uh, in these next few months. But it's Paul just kind of, uh, while he wants Timothy to come see him, he's sort of saying goodbye, and it's encouraging at the same time. And he says this, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Right, so, so he's saying, my life. Now he's using, as we'll see, it's all completed action. right? So, so it's not like, I'm hoping my life will be poured out, and when I get to do that ministry, or I get to do it. No, 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 no. He's seeing the end. He's saying, I, I, my, my life is being poured out. So what is he saying? So what does he mean by that metaphor? The Old Testament, the priest would go in to the altar uh, of the Lord, do a lot of things. But one of the things they would do, um, and, and you can read about that in the Old Testament, is pour out a drink offering. So I have one of those for you. Usually it's a strong drink or a glass of wine. Ah, sabbatical. No, I'm kidding. It's just food coloring. Food coloring. Um, so any kid who drinks this, parents don't get worried. It'll be all right. Um, but it looks good. And so he would come and he would bring, you know, usually a, a, a good glass of wine. Not, the, not like the box stuff. We're talking the good stuff, right? And he would take it. This could be yours, but instead for the Lord, you pour it out. Not because the Lord needs wine, but because you're saying it's for you and it represents your life. And so Paul is saying, my life has been poured out. It's not mine. Ever since Jesus won me, it was for him. And that's the goal of any Christian. To be able to say, sometimes we think of it as like, well, I'm, I'm living my life and God needs to bless what I'm doing. No, 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 no. My life is really hard and really beautiful, but it's for Jesus. It's poured out for him. And then he just gives us this beautiful, just, uh, I want you to see this picture. It says, my departure has come. What does he mean by that? That Greek word that we translate in English, departure. Sometimes it could be used like a soldier when they would break camp and they would leave or other, you know. But I think the best, and I think what Paul was thinking was more ship in shipping terms, nautical terms, right? So here's a picture of what he means. 
And so he's saying, right, I've been poured out, it's over, this life has been hard, has been beautiful, but it's not the end, you're just going to bury me and that's it. It's a departure. It's like a ship leaving where it was and it's moving on. And moving on for Paul to glory, to be with Christ, as we're going to see, to receive his reward. Well done, good and faithful servant. And when you do, or maybe it's now, you start to end towards, go towards end of life thoughts. I want you to think like this, because there's fears, and there's hurts, and there's pains, and there's a box of problems that come with that. But when you're in Christ, that's what you're doing. You're departing this, and you're going somewhere far greater. So that's how Paul's looking at it. In chains, in prison, my departure has come. And, and so, if, if, again, if you uh, have any church experience, this, this is even in a bit, one of the banners you've been staring at for this series over there. Um, it's three metaphors. And we know Paul loves his metaphors. He loves his uh, war metaphors, and he loves, like, soldiers, and he loves his sports, right? That's why we like him so much. Yeah, right? And, and sometimes we're not even sure which one he's talking about, right? You know, when he says fight, is he talking about a soldier? Is he talking about a wrestler? What's he talking about? Both. doesn't matter. It's a metaphor. And, and yet, he uses in the Greek the perfect tense, right? And all that means, not to get nerdy, is completed action. Again, he's not talking about what he's hoping to do. He's talking about what he has completed. Is he bragging? No. He's not bragging. He's encouraging Timothy. I have done it. You do it. And in so doing, he's encouraging us. He says, fight, right? I've, I've fought the good fight. So, so the, the Christian life is a fight, Right? It's going to be hard. It's going to hurt when you are fighting for the gospel and you're, you're trying to bring kindness and gentleness and love and sacrificial feeding the poor and, and doing it God's way. It means it's going to hurt. You're going to constantly come up against opposition. And Paul says, I have. And yet, I have fought the fight and the fight is good. The fight is beautiful. It's worth it. He says, I've, run the, I've, I've finished the race. Not just uh, competed. He's not saying I won. He's saying I've finished it. If you know Paul's story in, in, in the book of Acts, he was a terrorist. The, the church was more afraid of Saul from Tarsus than anyone else. Hated Christianity. Hated Christ. But Christ met him on that road. He gets saved. And do you remember the course that Jesus set him on? Right then and there, he said, Oh, Saul, I'm sending you to the Gentiles where you will suffer much for my namesake. And ever since, probably about 30 years of ministry up to this point, as he has run his race. Obstacle after obstacle, pain after pain, and he says, I've completed it. So many others run off the path. He's completed it. I've kept the faith. I've clung to truth. I've not wavered like so many others. I've kept the faith. And so he's saying, Timothy, you stay the course. And henceforth, which is a great word. I'm going to start using it more often. Makes you sound smart. Henceforth, whoa, listen to this guy. There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who loved his appearing. Really important. He switches it there. To all who love his appearing. So, so he's saying that, that, um, that, that when he, again, picture uh, the ship, right? He's like, my departure's coming. And what's going to happen when I get there? 
I can't wait to get there, right? Because the Lord meets me there. Well done, good and faithful servant. And it's a crown of righteousness. Now, many have argued and said, Paul would never say this. He knows that you don't earn your righteousness. Of course he knows that. Who taught that more than Paul? He's not saying that. He's saying that he will receive the righteousness that's found in Christ. Surely you must know by now. You cannot earn your salvation by doing good things or doing more good than bad or going to church or reading your Bible or doing religious things or not being as bad as that guy or that woman. That's not how you get righteous. Righteousness comes from Jesus on the cross. He died. And when he did that, sometimes we we focus only on the forgiveness and redemption, but he also gave you his righteousness. The Father looks at you and doesn't see your sin record. You might still see it. He doesn't because he's just and it's been paid in full on the cross. He sees the righteous record of his own son. And so when you depart into the next life, you are given the crown of righteousness. But there's an element of having worked at the same time. Jesus is the one that said, you will get there if you're faithful and, and, and preserve your faith. You, 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 you will hear, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. So there's an idea that if you are in Christ, you will be faithful because he will keep you faithful. And so that's what he's saying, right? He's saying that, that that's what I have waiting for me, Timothy, but it's also what anyone who's loved is appearing have waiting for him. Is that you? Do you love his appearing? What is loving Jesus appearing? Well, think of the word advent when he appeared. You might think shepherds, angels, Bethlehem, mangers, Christmas, right? That's the first advent, the first appearing, right? That, 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 that he can't, like, like I say this, I will say this until I can't speak anymore. Until it's over and then maybe I'll learn sign language. I'm telling you, if there is nothing in you, I'm not saying it's perfection, it's we're a work in progress. If there's nothing in you that, that just does, like, that loves Jesus and is appearing, you're not a Christian. It just comes with knowing him. That you, you love him and love what he's done. What does it mean as appearing? Well, the divine God steps into this mess, puts on flesh, born into a poor family, lives a life called a man of sorrows. All because God so loved you that he gave his only son for you. And then he doesn't just do awesome teachings and healings. He did all that, drove out demons. But he goes to a sinner's accursed cross. He takes every drop of God's wrath deserved for my sin. He absorbs it all and he says, it is finished. How can you not love that? If you know Christ, you love Christ. You, yes, you, you blow it. And yes, there's times where you're like, man, if I really loved him, I wouldn't do that. Yes, that's all part of the law. I'm just saying, you know, there's, there's part of you that when we sing, when you pray, there's times where you break into tears. There's just times where you're just like, I can't believe how much you love me. I love your appearing. But you also know that there's a second advent, isn't there? And part of this life, really all of this life for the Christian, is lived in the shadow of both appearings. On one hand, look what he's done. And then he rose. And then he ascended. On the other hand, he's coming again. He's coming again. It's all going to change when he does that. And so, it's that, that un, remember we just sang the song, unwavering hope. 
Elaine tried to clean this up after last week, and I had to bring it back. Come on. And um, this is, of course, you know by now, our rope of hope. But this is what loving as a parent means. You're living it. This is where the box of problems is, green tape, right? This life of yours, just imagine, that's why I put it back here, it doesn't have an end. It's everlasting soul. You're made in the image of God. Regardless of what you believe, that's true. And so the only question is where you will spend that eternity. And, and so this green tape's where we're here now. It's where you get born, get married or not married, and have the pains and joys of this life. It's very, very hard. It's very, very beautiful. But if this was all there is, we would be despondent to give up. But the love is appearing means it's not. In fact, this is the worst of it. We got this. This is the departure. This is the crown of righteousness. This is the well-done, good, and faithful servant. Not just one moment, but from every moment into eternity. This is what's awaiting those who are in Christ. And so, though it's hard, and though there's times where you want to give up, you don't. Because you have unwavering hope and you live for this. And so that's what he means. All who love is appearing. All who have that, that, that hope will get the same reward that Paul got. And he waits for us. And so I would tell you this. Stay the course. It's hard. Anyone who tells you it's not hard, selling you a fake bill of goods. Life in Christ here in the green tape is hard. In fact, some of you might think of the fight like this. And if you feeling like that right now? Maybe not, but you have, or you will. There's times where I'm just like, I, I can't stand it anymore. I want to give up. It's too hard. And what he's saying is fight the fight because it's good. Keep loving your enemy. Keep feeding the, the poor. Keep adopting the homeless. Keep seeing and being with the sick. Keep bringing light into the darkness. Keep doing it. It's going to be hard, but it's a good fight. Fight it. It's our time. It's our time. You're going to get bloodied, and you're going to get smacked around, and you continue to fight because it's worth it. It's beautiful. You might think of the race like this, a real marathon in London. That poor woman, anyone feel like her sometimes? <laughs> right? My legs don't even work anymore. Give up, roll off the track. It's useless. No, I will keep clawing. I will keep going because this is the course. This marriage is the course. This uh, my wayward child that I'm praying for, this is the course. My, the, the, this ministry that I'm not seeing any fruit in it, this is the course. I'm going to keep running it, and in the end, I'm going to finish it. All the while, keeping the faith. All right? So again, stay the course wherever that hurt is now or will be for you. You know, I mentioned that this passage gets read at a lot of funerals. I don't read it at a lot of funerals. When I do, I really mean it. <laughs> so when I see a life, and again, I don't always know the life. If I, see, if I know that life lived a life of faith the best they could, I love to share that, saying they've fought the fight, finished the race, they've kept the faith. Because what Paul's saying here to Timothy is it's a legacy. 
So here's the question. If you were to die and I was to do your funeral, what would your legacy be? If I were to die and you were to speak at my funeral, what would, that's the question I got. What's my legacy? Right? That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, Timothy, I've done that. Now you do it. Because a legacy says you do it now. It's worth it. It's hard. It's beautiful. Right? That, 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 that life that just says yes. What is the legacy? I, I, um, I'll do a number of funerals. Sometimes they don't have anyone, so it's people I don't know. I never met in life. I can remember, and as you know me, I don't do canned anything. So I try to get to know the person as best I can so I can make it as personal as possible. It's hard to do when you didn't know them, but that's what you try to do. And I remember in my office a number of years ago, I was meeting with some adult children whose mom had passed and hadn't known her, so I had a, a, a notebook out, and I was like, all right, tell me about your mom. Crickets. That's not a hard question, guys, but it, sometimes it is a hard question, right? It's like, well, where do I start, right? So I tried to pull some answers, and by the end, here's what I had. Loved to read, and she loved the Red Sox, God help her, right? And I was like, I don't know if it was her fault or theirs. I don't know. I didn't know her. Maybe she had a lot of other things. They were just frozen in the moment. But here's what I thought about. My own mom who had passed, she, my mom loved to read, and she loved the Red Sox. And if you were to ask me the legacy of my mom, that wouldn't have made, neither of those things would have made the top 50. Right? That's not our legacy. Those are fine. Love to read. I love to read. Like, that's, not my leg- that's not what my legacy to be. I want my legacy to be how much money I made or how much success I had in this or that. I want my legacy to be Christ. I want people to say, he forgave me. I want my legacy to say he, he sacrificed, and, and when he did blow it, he repented, and he asked for forgiveness. Like, that's a legacy, right? So what is your legacy? What are people going to know you for? And here's the problem. Sometimes we, we ask that question, and we want to give up because we're like, you know what? It's not that great. I want to remind you of Paul. What was his legacy before he met Christ? Chief of sinners. You want that title? Greatest terrorist that the church had known up to that point? You want that title? You want that legacy? That was his. He met Christ. And for 30 years, he completely changed it. He's now the Apostle Paul, the greatest evangelist and writer of much of the New Testament. That's his legacy. You can all, you're breathing, aren't you? If you? I think everyone is. If not, raise your hand. If you are, you can turn it around. You can say, I want my legacy to be Christ. Oh, my legacy to be what? Right? And, and, and if you're, and, and the older you are, I really want you to hear me. Because sometimes you give up. It's like, nah, it's just not who I am. I just, uh, you know, and you're camped out. Camped out in bitterness. Camped out and forget about it. Camped out in whatever it is. And you're like, it's too late for me. Have you not seen a Christmas carol? The whole movie's about that, right? You could change it. I've seen it done. Not, not just in a movie. I've seen people change legacies in less than a year. Where they even said to me, Pastor, man, I couldn't stand my father up to that point. All of a sudden, everything changed, and I so love him and appreciate X, Y, Z. His legacy changed in the later part of his life. So wherever you're at, if your legacy right now is like, I don't really know if I have one, okay. Fight the good fight. Get in. Run the race. Don't give up. What is our legacy? And I'm telling you, it's hard. It's really, really hard, but it's really, really beautiful. To live in Christ is beautiful. And I think we see both of those things in this last um, section of the letter. So I'm going to just read quickly with a few comments because it's, it, it's probably 
Paul's longest greetings. I think Romans is pretty long too, and I didn't measure them. But it makes sense, right? It's his last letter, you know? It's not like you were leaving the house for five minutes. You're leaving for maybe this is it. And so he has a lot to say here. Um, so he says, and uh, as he kind of begins to close out this letter, to Timothy, do your best to come to me soon. He wants Timothy's companionship. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. We hear Demas' name a couple of times in other letters where he's called the co-worker for Christ, and now he's running after the world. And I know we don't really know his situation, but what we can know is that it's always a threat. No matter where you're at now, the world is always, always trying to suck you in and tempt you to run after it and to give up the fight in the race. Don't be a Demas. Be a Timothy. He says, Christians has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. So, so uh, and that's not a place of dogs, just so you know. Um, and and, and they're, they're on assignment. So they haven't left them like abandoned, abandoned, but they're not with them. And they're, they're, they're good friends, right? So the point is he's pretty alone. He says, Luke alone is with me. Luke wrote the gospel. <laughs> You're even worse than the 9 o'clock. They're like, Luke, duh. All right. All right. All right. He also wrote... Oh, yeah, you like that one better because it's a little bit harder of a question. All right, because you were probably like, is this a trick question? I think he wrote Luke, right? All right, so Luke did that later on, but here he's with Paul. He's a physician. He's a great, uh, just, just a great companion of Paul. He's the only one with me. So then he says this, and I am so glad this sentence is in our Bibles. And if you know Paul's story, man, so are you. He says this, get Mark, who wrote the gospel, no, it was, no, yeah, you're right, it was Mark. <laughs> Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. If you know Paul, a lot of you know Paul's story, but if not, his first missionary uh, journey, he's going with Barnabas. Barnabas is a puppy dog, son of encouragement. He's always cheering you on, right? He's like, hey, let's bring my cousin Mark. All right, let's bring Mark. It's just one sentence. They were on their missionary journey. It got hard, really, really hard, and Mark turned back. So second missionary journey begins, and Barnabas, let's bring Mark again. Give it another shot. Paul's like, not a puppy dog. Fierce, no way. Couldn't count on him the last time. So they part. Barnabas brings Mark. Paul brings Silas and others, and they part. And that's the last we kind of hear the situation until this. Get Mark. Bring him. I love him, and he's useful to ministry. Somewhere along the line, came back together, didn't it? Now, maybe Mark got bolder in the gospel, probably. Maybe Paul got a little bit more gracious <laughs> as time went and said, yeah, we all, we all give up sometimes. But somewhere along the line, God brought it back. Here's the thing. If right now you're feeling like you gave up and you turned back, you can always turn back in. And if you have someone in your past who maybe there was a separation and it wasn't good and you're not even really sure why, there's always time to come back together. Reach out. The world is beautiful when we see friendships rekindled, companionships in the Lord come back. Bring Mark. So then there's this beautiful name of Tychicus. <laughs> I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak. It's coming winter. I'm getting cold. That I left with uh, Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Paul loved himself as books, right? And then he gives a warning. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, Timothy, for he strongly opposed our message. 
He's talking about his trial. He says, at my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. Maybe he remembers Jesus in his last trial. What happened to him? Everyone deserted him. But then remember, maybe he continued to remember Jesus, and he says what? May it not be charged against them. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. But life is really, really hard. He's lonely. The stuff that happened with Alexander, only Luke, poor Luke. He's like, who am I? Luke alone. It's really, really hard, but it's really, really beautiful. Why? But the Lord. This is why it's beautiful. No matter how hard it is, no matter how dark it gets, no matter where you're at, whatever the box of problems holds for you, whatever punch you just took to the face, whatever obstacle is in your race, but the Lord. But the Lord, what, stood by me? Was he alone? No. The Lord strengthened me so that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear. Right? He got a chance to preach the gospel, even in chains. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. And so that's the message and why it's so beautiful and why no matter what you're going through, do not give up because Christ is always, always worth it. The beauties and the riches that are found in Christ here throughout eternity are worth it. Do not turn back. Do not give up. Keep fighting the good fight. Because that's what Paul did. Bringing light and punching the devil right in the throat and the darkness that he brings. He says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. And I love this. In chains, people, in chains, he says, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We praise him wherever we are because he's worthy. We praise him whether we are on the mountaintop of life or in the valley of the shadow of death. We praise him on the beach when it's beautiful. And we praise him when the waves are over our head. We praise him in the box of problems. We praise him because he's worthy. We give him honor because he's worthy. To him be the honor, be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And he, and he greets it out by saying, greet Prisca and Aquila, Priscilla, you've heard of them before maybe. They're good companions in the gospel throughout his ministry. And the household of Anisiphorus, Erastus, Remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus. I wish my name was named after a trophy, but that's not. Who was ill at Miletus? Do your best to come to me before winter. It's hard to travel in winter. Eubolus, sounds like a bad disease, but I think it's just a name, sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus. Not the blanket, Linus. And Claudia and all the brothers. And then here's his final prayer. The final words we have of Paul are the final words that I'll pray over you later. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. (sighs) Grace. Don't forget grace. My daughter's name is Grace, and I always have to remind her of that because she's harder on herself than anyone else. Constantly just saying, remember your name. I never have to say that to my son. But he's Nathan, the guy who challenged David. And so remember grace, even if that's not your name. Remember, grace be with you, be with your spirit. So here's how I'll just uh, end it. I've said this over and over again. Life is hard. And I don't mean to sound like your dad when you were young. Suck it up. Life's hard. Put some dirt on it, right? 
That's not what I mean. But I don't want you to hear, oh, I became a Christian and it's all going to be light and fluffy from here on in. Lie. There's an enemy who hates you. The darkness is, is, is part of this world right now and you are bearing the light. <laughs> it's coming. It's going to be hard. And yet, life is beautiful. Fight the fight because why? But the Lord, Jesus strengthens you. Jesus goes with you. Jesus is with you. Keep bearing the spiritual fruit. Keep bringing the spiritual gifts he's given you. Keep, keep swinging for the light. Keep being a bearer of the good news. Keep uh, fighting in that marriage for gospel truth. Keep fighting in your singleness for faithfulness to his word. Keep going because it's beautiful and because he's worth it. And so my final ask for you is to simply step into the life. It sounds simple, and it is, but it's not often easy because Christ says, pick up your cross. Step into the life Christ has for you. Maybe for you, it's to get serious. You ascribe to a few facts. You knew some Bible verses. Maybe you went to church as a kid, but you've never laid it on the line. You've never just said, only Jesus Life is found in him and him alone. He is the way, the life, the truth. No one comes to the Father but him. Maybe that's where you're stepping in today. By faith, believe. He died for you. He rose. And thank you, Lord, he's coming again. This is your opportunity. Step into that. If you've done that, whatever, in the next, uh, uh, my challenge for you is the next few months, where you may or may not see me around, won't see me here, but you never know. Not leaving town. My family will still be around. Is to be challenged to step into that life. What am I going to do? Well, this thing called sabbatical. What is it? I know. I'm not dumb. I know some of you are like, I, I could use a sabbatical. My goodness. And you could. I wish you could have one. Everyone should get one of those. Hopefully you build times of rest into your life as much as you can. Not just to play, but yes, but also to let God uncover the things that are hard to face, because we can busyness, let busyness cover over, right? Sabbatical, we talked, this is not just a new thing like the last year or so. I mean, it's been seven years since my last one, so it kind of makes sense. But really, just talking with the elders, we just kind of, in these conversations we've had about why it's probably a really good thing for me and for you. It's been, you know, since the last one, we had a really good time, last, the first few years out of that, that, God did a lot of good things. Um, all of a sudden, this thing happened. I don't know if you guys remember you know, COVID-19, you guys remember that, right? And so as a church, suddenly you're pastoring hundreds of people without being able to even see them. And then we could open, but stay away <laughs> and keep a mask on. And then in the middle of all of that, everyone in the world seems like they were screaming at each other about vaccines and masks and everything else under the sun. And our goal, prayer goal on my knees was we will be about the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's it. We will serve the Lord. That was great. And God used you in amazing ways. You, not, I'm not saying I, you, the growth, and I'm not talking about numbers, I'm talking about the ministries and the things that I've seen happen in your life through that time have been amazing. But here's what happens. It puts a bullseye on me from the evil one. I know some churches are afraid to talk about this, but it's very biblical. We have an enemy, a spiritual enemy. And here's the thing, I, my personality shouldn't be like this, but I'm like, bring it on, baby, come on. The problem is, is he's really, really smart. I hate him for that, but he is. And so he attacks your family. And he's done that. Now, 
My family's good. God has been so gracious. But he's attacked my wife. He's attacked my kids. He's attacked my extended family. He's attacked, attacked, attacked. And so sabbatical is that time to sort of say, all right, God, I need fuel for the next decades we have together. And so I'm asking for you. I have somewhere. I've already, I haven't written a, a note yet, but I got them ready. Here's my four notebooks. It kind of shows you the, how we're splitting up the time um, uh, that, I'm, that I'm doing. You have my Sabbath journal, so the thing, books I'm going to read on rest and what God's saying. You got thoughts on theology. I'm going to read some ancient theologians I haven't had a chance since seminary to read. I'm looking forward to that. I'm a nerd, but that's how it goes. Scripture journal to really, I love God's word, but to really, really see what God's saying. And lastly, you should be scared of this, creative ideas. Our staff is already worried about that when I come back, all right? Like, you've been off. We haven't. Calm down, all right? So you can be praying for me on that and, and praying for all of those things, and I know you will. So many of you said that already. But you can also do this. And I know most of you don't need to hear this, but it is a temptation. The lead pastor's, he's off for a few months. I'll sit on the sidelines, and, and when he comes back, we'll see. Don't do that. I know it's summer coming, you got vacation, all that, but, but maybe there's just something that God's calling you and you're like, eh, it's going to be uncomfortable. Just step into it. Some ministry, some, you know, a neighbor that he's calling you to bake for and pray for, I, whatever, just, just, just step in. Here's my prayer. This will be deeply humbling if this happens, but I wanted to. When I come back, you guys are like, oh, right, forgot about you. You didn't forget, but you're just like, yeah, don't get in the way of what we're doing, James. Not, oh, thank God you're back. I don't want that. I want, oh, yeah, man, see what God is doing. God is blessed. God has flourished. And I'll be like, oh, that's what I want. I promise that if you're on any of our church lists, and if you're not, get on it, because I want you to be a part of it, I will pray for you by name. Not just your family, I will pray for you. And this is going to be my prayer. Unless I know of something else, I'll pray for that too. But if I don't know what, I'm just going to pray that whatever God's, that God gives you the strength, that God gives you, right, the, 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 the boldness to step into what he's called you to do, to be a part of the fight that you can fight, the race that he set before you, and to keep the faith. Let's pray. Father, I, I pray even now for our entire church family, whether this is their first week, or many years, whether they're online with us, or even those who couldn't be here in person this weekend for whatever reason, I, I pray for everyone that you would descend your spirit in a powerful way, even now. Save those who are not yet in Christ. and Use those of us in the fight. Use us. And when we're weary, pick us up and strengthen us. When we're exhausted, exhausted sustain us. Give us the fuel we need. When we do run into the, the problems, Lord, you'd remind us this is what you promised. But also remind us it's worth it. You're worth it, Jesus. You're worth it. And I pray that in the, in the, in the time that, that I'm stepping away, that this place would flourish in the gospel, in your truth. You would use us for a force in the darkness that's beyond this walls, to be a light for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We cannot do that without you doing it through us. And we expect great things because you're a great God. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you can, stand with us. Let's sing.